0: This is Chip from The Real Dirt, and on today's Dirt, we talked to Ted Corliss of News Munchies. Now, Ted's a lawyer turned blogger, and News Munchies is mostly about cannabis-related news. Me and uh, Ted kind of like met virtually, and then he called me up, and we had some really good conversations about uh, cannabis, cannabis legalization in Florida, and the fight that was going on. And, you know, uh, I decided, hey, you know, you're, you're coming up here for a family vacation. Why don't you stop in to the Real Dirt Studios and we'll have a chat about what's going on in the country and in Florida specifically. There's this perception that cannabis, medical cannabis is legal throughout the country and it is legal in many states. And if you look up. You know, uh, a normal website, they'll tell you that, you know, 32 states or 39 states have medical cannabis laws. And even though that may be true, when you dig deeper into that, you know, you get states like Georgia and Florida and Texas that have really restrictive cannabis laws, but they claim to have made compassionate laws for, for their citizens and, and past medical cannabis, medical marijuana, as they often refer to it. And it's just all smoke and mirrors. Often it's twofold. It's a politician you know, like in, in maybe like in Georgia's case, politicians who want to seem compassionate because, you know, there's a legitimate use for medical marijuana, medical cannabis. And they have, uh, you know, families that, that come to them and say, Hey, why can't we use medical cannabis? Why can't we use CBD, you know, for our child's illness, for my illness, for my grandparents illness, for my parents illness. And so the politicians, you know, taking a uh, opportunity you know, have created these laws that say hmm, medical cannabis, we need to have medical cannabis. And in the pass a law and says, we have medical cannabis, but in reality, there's no way to get the medical cannabis. Nobody's growing the medical cannabis, whether it's CBD or THC, you know, product, it's just really smoke and mirrors. And then also in many cases, places pass, Laws, The people want the laws to be passed and pass them and then legislation and rulemaking just holds the will of the people up. You know, California is a prime example of this right now. Now, California is doing an incredible job with the speed that they have rolled out medical cannabis and cannabis regulated adult use cannabis. They're, they're having this in so many places, they're having a hard time switching from this cop enforcement mentality to this compliance, legally regulated mentality. You know, many people have had continued to have altercations with law enforcement, including fish and wildlife throughout California. Not to mention the, the, the attitude and the confrontation they get from so many people as they try to register their cannabis farms and come out, you know, of this private market, unregulated history and move into this next phase of, of cannabis for us. And, you know, there's just so much resistance where wherever you go you know where you know when people like just dragging their feet to process the laws you know cuz there's just this resistance that that cannabis and marijuana is just awful that ganja is just going to ruin us all and you know I resent that cuz I am far from ruined And I've been a cannabis enthusiast and, you know, a a business person my whole life. My whole adult life, I've pretty much supported myself through my own business endeavors and smoked tons of ganja along the way. I may be a stoner, but like, hey, man, that's my choice. And, you know, just like the rest of you, the rest of our listeners, you know, you've accomplished things in your life. You're not you know, just a useless, you know, scourge on society, you're productive people. And, you know, we're still fighting that fight. We still have that stigmatism of what cannabis is, what marijuana is and who we are that consume it, use it, promote it, grow it, talk about it, we're still getting judged. Man, you know, here at The Real Dirt, we're even getting judged by Facebook, Instagram, Google. We can't do any advertisements pretty much. If we do, they're like highly criticized. We basically can't advertise on You know, Facebook or Instagram. If you see any of our stuff on Facebook or Instagram, it's all organic traffic that we put out that people view. It's not propped up in any way because, you know, Google won't let us use AdWords, Facebook and Instagram. They say that, you know, hey, we're telling you how to grow weed. So, uh, you know, we're promoting weed smoking. We're promoting weed consumption. So we can't advertise and they just make those laws up, man. They just make those like reasons up, you know, and meanwhile, like, man, you know, you can advertise all other kind and promote any other kind of culture, but you can't promote ganja culture. I mean, if you want to be the freakiest, deakiest motherfucker out there, you can promote your culture, right? But like we as cannabis consumers, cannabis advocates, you know, cannabis users, cannabis growers, you know, we can't do that. You know, we're still restricted within society. We are still restricted within business. We cannot bank with places. We can't have merchant services, and if we can, it's like we're get we're getting vipered out with these you know horrible interest rates, with horrible service, and you know sometimes we just have to accept and be like, man, you know I've heard people say exactly what I'm fixing to say to you, man, I I I don't even care if I have to pay, you know thirty thousand dollars a year to you know have a bank, I don't even care. You know, and and like, that's just fucking nuts, man, that you're going to have a business that's, you know, even this particular business we're talking about, $10 million business, you know, for them to be forced to pay $30,000 a year in bank fees is just ridiculous solely because they're a cannabis business, you know, and and in my personal businesses, uh, Cultivate Colorado, you know, we've been discriminated against by all the banks, We've been discriminated against uh, by many merchant services solely because we sell equipment that may be used for cannabis growing. Like now, I don't know what you do with my equipment once you leave right? my store. And yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of my customers are growing legal-ish cannabis. Right. And even if they aren't, that's none of my business. What they do with my product. Once I sell it to them, that's their product then, you know, and that's, and, and we have this fundamental business practice in the U S called the right of the first sale. And man, if I sell something to you, you can go do whatever you want with it pretty much. Right. That is your product. You can go resell it if you want. Right. You can use it in ways that I didn't intend it for you if you want. Right. I might have my disclaimers, but like that is your product and it's your own private life and your own private business. I don't care about that. And neither should the government and neither should the banks. Right. I'm a little fired up here, of course. It's Sunday, Marley Sunday. We've been uh, smoking weed and listening to Peter Tosh. And, you know, Peter Tosh is a rebel. He uh, was always fighting the system. And uh, we got to keep fighting the system here in places like Florida. And, you know, hell, every place, every California, Colorado, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, even though you have legal cannabis right now, legal adult use, maybe legal medical cannabis, you know, you still have forces against you that are trying to take this back to the old days that want, are going to fight as long as they can, right, to go back because they don't like it. They don't like it. It's like their personal opinion. You know, man, there's a lot of things I don't like about the world or people, but like that's their own business. Right. And so should the police officers and fishing game and the government officials, you know, and the elected officials. They need to do the same thing. This is the will of the people. Right. They need to just go with the flow. And hey, if it, they don't, it's our responsibility as voters to vote them out, to call them up and to speak out. And that's what I'm going to encourage you guys all to do. When you have an opportunity or make that opportunity to call up your local political representative, your state representative, your national representatives, call them up and say, hey, man, this is me and this is what I'm interested in with cannabis. And I just want you to know that, you know, I'm watching you. Right. Or if, you know, you happen to be in one of those counties where the people are absolutely against cannabis, like, you know, Mendocino County in California, the local government there is actively just pushed back on cannabis regulation, you know, every single step of the way. You got people like Ron Edwards over there and other people who are actively fighting you know, the government and pushing back so that the cannabis farmers there can actually have some sort of sustainable economy and be actually able to grow this plant that the voters of California and the voters of Mendocino County want to see happen. So I'm going to ask you to go and do that and just make your voice be heard, man. That's the beauty of this country and that's the beauty of freedom is you can make your voice be heard. And let, let's do it. Hey, let's also sit back Fire one up. Download all the episodes of The Real Dirt Podcast. If you have not subscribed on our iTunes account, please subscribe. If you want to listen to any episode, you can go to therealdirt.com and play any episode there. So, uh, smoke out. Listen to this great episode with me and Ted Corliss from News Munchies. Yeah, man. Enjoy. Enjoy. Good evening, once again you have reached The Real Dirt, and on today's Dirt I have Ted Corliss of News Munchies. How's it going,
1: Ted? Outstanding. So very excited to be here, right here physically with you.
0: Yeah, man. You know, me and Ted started talking a couple months ago about coming onto the show, and uh, he has this great interviewing process. I, I loved it. He has his entertainment lawyer call you up and vet you <laughs> out a little bit, you know? Right, right, <laughs> Like, right. like oh, I want to make sure this is right, right uh, avenue, venue for Ted, but uh, hit it off with her, hit it off with you. We immediately had like tons of stuff to talk about. It was initially just going to be a phone conversation because Ted is in Tampa, Florida.
1: Right. And I really needed to get the hell out of, I left Tampa to come to Denver and it was 94 degrees and about 78% humidity. (laughs) And so it's so fantastic to be here anyway. So I'm going to spend this time with you here now. And then my family arrives and we're going to spend about 10 days on the back of a horse. Oh, that's so great! A spectacular way. Florida's a great place to be right now, though, huh? Well, All except right? uh, except if you're attempting to buy legal marijuana, it's oh. a little tricky down there. Right. Uh, it's something I'll figure we're going to talk about.
0: Yeah, we'll get in there. So, let's get into it a little bit. And you know, normally, mostly, I should say, I have been having cannabis growers on the show, but lately I've had a couple of uh, other industry people. And you're a lawyer by day, blogger by night. That's right. You, you want to explain that type of
1: uh, sure. uh, superhero designation there? Uh, sure. Well, I sue insurance companies for my day job. Yeah, Ted. That's right. All right. Hey, give say, it, Everybody give it up to Ted. Yeah. <laughs> right. When you say, why do you sue insurance companies? It's just like, well, why did you rob the bank? He's he because that's where the money is. <laughs> right. And Absolutely. So, that's right. Well, I've been a practicing attorney now for 25 years, which sounds pretty crazy when I say it, but I have always found cannabis to be something from both a cultural, scientific perspective to fascinate me. And obviously, I've been a consumer of it since I was about 12 years old. Later on in life, it was something that showed up in college and I spent a substantial amount of time in. And so about five years ago, I started a blog called News Munchies. So, I have a blog called newsmunchies.com. I write a ton about the legal, cultural issues associated with it, and especially a slant on the political side as well. When we spoke last week, I guess it was, it
0: was, it was, was before lived, you went to Croatia. It was before I went to Croatia, Good right? Lord. It was like a month ago, right? A judge in Florida had just said that the uh, medical cannabis laws were unconstitutional, and that you could not ban people from smoking cannabis. Right, right. right. So, so that That's was right. that was big news, right? When when we were speaking last, then came a, a, like a, a potential appeal, and a couple of other things happened. What right, what, what ended right. up
1: detailing with that? Well, what ended up happening was that the original bill that came after our amendment, we had Amendment Two, which passed overwhelmingly. To give you a sense of how big it was, there's 67 counties in the state of Florida, the third largest state in the United States. Of the 67 counties, when Amendment 2's results came out, 67 of the 67 had a majority or more vote to support medical marijuana. The number we needed in order to pass was 60%. And of the 67 counties, 64 of them met the 60% threshold. And I'm talking about extremely conservative counties right in the agricultural centers in the center of Florida were coming in in the 65% range. Overwhelming support for it because the Amendment 2 kicked the ability of the legislature to ultimately regulate medical marijuana, but gave it a constitutional standard. And so what's been going on since then, a whole bunch of legal battles over what you can smoke, how you can smoke it, and who gets to sell it as a dispensary owner. And so Florida ran into a problem because I had an opportunity to speak with Richard Corcoran, who is the Speaker of the House. And he told me, without reservation, he was Listen, you guys wanted medical marijuana, and that's what we gave you. You have things like nasal sprays, or you have pills, which I don't know what the hell is in those. And the worst, (laughs) then the worst vape pens you can ever imagine. You could literally smoke an entire vape pen and you wouldn't even get dizzy. And so Florida has been going through a process where there have been challenges to the law because the one thing you cannot do legally in the state of Florida is to smoke it. You can vape it a little and you can take these other products, but there are no plants sold at all. And instead we're essentially just concentrates. And so there's a judge in the first district who had found the ban on smoking to be unconstitutional, because smoking was specifically identified in Amendment 2 as a private right. And when that happened, the question was ultimately, is the governor of Florida, Rick Scott, going to continue to appeal that verdict, or is he simply going to ask that they stand back and let the legislature clean up the bill? He decided to go ahead and appeal, and that's what's happening now.
0: I wish we really had a smoke expert on the show here. Let me see if I can, wait wait, (laughs) wait a second, Ted, Ted Corliss, you're actually a smoke expert. I am. Now this is one of the exciting parts about having Ted on our show is he was involved in several tobacco lawsuits and, and had really understands the different qualities of smoke. So I'm looking forward to an education right
1: now on what smoke really is for cannabis. Here's the fun thing about, smoke is it's smoke is not smoke, meaning that smoke's not smoke, right? My background is that I spent time as a litigator, a lo- a trial lawyer representing the tobacco industry. I don't want to mention this company specifically because I think they're probably more powerful than the federal government. One of the largest companies in the world. Right. Right. And, yeah. And so that very large company had me meeting with doctors who would testify on behalf of the tobacco industry, that this cancer was not caused by those cigarettes. So my focus was on preparing these witnesses to testify on behalf of the industry, but also I would be responsible for attacking, in a figurative sense, the individuals who were representing smokers who were saying that they got cancer as a result of that. I traveled all over the United States. I was in 22 different states working with occupational medicine physicians, I traveled with a mycologist who, by the way, told me he grows the most amazing psilocybin cubensis mushrooms. Um, he didn't mention that at the office yeah. too much, but we studied what is smoke and how does it hurt you? I then took that knowledge to cannabis. And the amazing thing is, is that what really makes tobacco smoke so bad for you are nitrosamines, tobacco-specific nitrosamines. Well, you get those into tobacco not because they're naturally occurring in the plants, but because they're introduced during the curing process.
0: So let's back this up right here. So what are nitrosamines?
1: Now, are you a tobacco smoker? No, no. Okay. no. no. Well, tobacco has two bad things in it that really hurt you. If you take uh, Marlboro Reds, for example, Marlboro Reds will have two things in there that will ultimately cause you disease. You have tobacco-specific nitrosamines, which are a preservative that are introduced during the curing process. And those are what give you cancer. You then have the second bad actor, which is what people would call tar, uh, you have tar and nicotine. The tar is really cold tar pitch volatiles, or what we call CTPV. And CTPV is the stuff that gives you emphysema, causes spacing, gapping in your lungs and ultimately prevents you from clearing your lungs when you're breathing naturally and so those are the two bad things in marlboro reds interestingly most people want to smoke marlboro lights because they believe that the lights are better for you but it turns out the lights are worse because it's simple math if you decrease the amount of coal tar pitch volatiles which is what lights do you increase the amount of nitrosamines. Well, the nitrosamines are the things that give you cancer. And what they do is, see, when you inhale that smoke, that smoke attacks you on a genetic level. There is a specific gene called the P53 gene, and that P53 gene is your defense to cancer. But tobacco attacks that and goes in and hits a specific codon on the gene And it turns the P53 gene off, which means when you get a naturally occurring cancer that you've got some renegade cell that's running around your body, your body has a defense to that. But the tobacco smoke actually shuts down your ability to attack the disease in your own body. But see, none of that stuff exists in the context of cannabis smoke. So when
0: I'm smoking out of my bonk, and that uh, chunky black tar stuff, that is
1: not CTPV. It is not. So well, that is, we call it tar? Well, have you ever seen creosote, you know, the old days when they used to have telephone poles? Yeah, yeah I, I totally yeah. I remember. Yeah. If you got that stuff on your fingers, it's almost like a topical poison. Most cancer research started out with what they called mouse painting. They would take a mouse and shave it and they would take coal tar pitch and they would paint it, or creosote, and they would paint it on the mice. And the locations where it made contact to the skin, the mice would develop tumors. Why did they start testing that way? The reason they tested that way is because chimney sweeps were one of the first occupational exposures to cancers that were ever studied. Because these guys would go out and clean the chimney and they would get this creosote all over their fingers and they would step out to urinate Well, they wouldn't wash their hands, so they were essentially painting their genitals with coal tar pitch, and then they realized they did a cluster study because so many of these guys were showing up with testicular cancer, and they figured out it was because they were exposing themselves to that. I never wanted to be a chimney sweep. It's not... I never never was drawn to that that lifestyle. Yeah, no, I I can't say that of all... I had some pretty crazy ideas. I think I wanted to be a trash (laughs) man when I was about eight years old, but that's, that's as close to a goofy job I've ever
0: had. Well, you fell into something pretty interesting. That's for sure. So, okay. So, so So that's the science
1: of smoke. We're we're hot. We're hot.
0: We're hot on it right now. So now I got some questions. Sure. So how can I talk to somebody to convince them that cannabis smoke, there's not a secondhand smoke
1: and it's not bad for you? I will tell you that my perspective on any secondhand smoke is that most environmental tobacco smoke Claims are bullshit. Mm-hmm. There's three different kinds of smoke that comes off of a cigarette. You have what is called mainstream smoke when you put the cigarette in your mouth and draw it into your mouth, and then there's sidestream smoke. Now, sidestream smoke is smoke that was never inhaled. I'm going to give you some numbers to kind of compare. Still so coming
0: off the cigarette, exactly. Right. that, that
1: If you got a 12-minute cigarette, which is about right, you put the cigarette in the ashtray. If it's Filling the room with smoke, that's sidestream smoke. Okay. And then you have environmental tobacco smoke, and that is smoke that you've inhaled and you've exhaled. You filtered through your lungs and body. You did, right? You are the (laughs) ultimate filter of your own tobacco smoke. (laughs) Now, here are the numbers. If there's a value of tar in the smoke, we would say that a mainstream smoke would have a value of one. A side stream smoke would have a value of 0.1 environmental tobacco smoke. Secondhand smoke has a value of 0.01 because what happens when you exhale it is the smoke decays and it just breaks down. And then the reason it stinks so badly and cannabis smoke doesn't do this, it's because it's electrically charged and that it's negatively charged. So you're positively charged. You're a positive guy. You know what I mean? totally, Totally, totally positive guy. And that's why the smoke kind of sticks to you is because you're positive, it's negative, it's a date. And so that's tobacco smoke, environmental tobacco smoke in 40 seconds. Is a secondhand high, is that reality? I don't think they've actually. Oh, secondhand high. No, see that whole contact high thing. People so, who'd say that they wanted, they don't want to go to a concert because they're like, worried they got a drug test coming yeah, up. Like, Folks, that is completely... Not, not real, not real. That's not, not real at all. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's go back to our smoking definitions. I have my mainstream smoke, right. so I've just, have just hit my joint, right, and I put it out in the ashtray, or I put it in the ashtray, and smoke is billowing it off. Right, right, right. You, you, you're saying that people don't get high off that smoke? They do not. All right. Yeah. There's just, is it just because the, the, the amount that is diluted in, in their atmosphere and how much they're breathing in? It is. It's, it's, it's a,
1: it's a process of dilution and it's also a process of decay because the smoke will break down. It has a half life of a couple of seconds. Okay. And once the smoke is exhaled and it breaks down, It's still physically in the room, but it doesn't have all of that nasty stuff that's going to end your life.
0: This is something I've thought about for a long time is because you've noticed people get, quote unquote, a contact high, but it's a social phenomenon and not
1: actually a chemical phenomenon. I think I know what you're saying. I think it's the idea of I love it hanging out with people who are smoking. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, smoking cannabis. But the idea, though, is that there is—it's still just kind of a social experience. It's nothing right. uh, chemically or scientifically. Doesn't get in your body that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we've been filling the room with cannabis smoke the, the whole time. Right. So, like, if right. there's secondhand smoke, we, he would slow down. The secondhand stoned, right.
1: he would slow down a little bit. And, and we could we could <laughs> quadruple. Well, or I could I could help you fill the room with more smoke. <laughs> there we go. And uh, but in the end of the day, if if I don't take any mainstream cannabis smoke into my lungs you're not going to have any THC or CBDs not going to sh- you're not going to find cannabinoids in your bloodstream
0: okay so my proper argument would be say Travis over here he's our he's our studio technician today and our social media guy Travis can't handle his weed smoke so much at work he's still a young padawan so if i'm smoking and the room's filling up with smoke I get to say to Travis that no, you're not stoned. You're not taking any mainstream cannabis smoke. Right. 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 That's right. You're just acting. Get back to work.
1: Uh, Yeah. Or start smoking. You know, I (laughs) mean, if you want in, you got to get in on
0: your own. Yeah. No, I I let all my employees smoke as much as they possibly
1: can tolerate and still go to work. I run a (laughs) law firm and I I will say that I I have a pretty liberal, we have a no drug testing policy at my law firm. So it's a, (laughs) and and that's, but, and and it's interesting the, the cannabis issue shows up a lot in my life because I'm representing people who have been completely screwed by large insurance companies Mm -hmm. and most of the cases I work on involve these giant community managed associations. We just finished a case where I represented 240 families against one insurance company and it was interesting I would show up at board meetings as I would be leaving the meeting I'd always get someone who would walk up to me and go hey hold on a second, hey man I found your blog. Like it was a big secret. And yeah. I said, it's not supposed to be a secret. That's right. the point of having a right. blog. Right. So News Munchies is is, is going to be found if you look for my law firm. And I I never mind that. What's your law firm's name? I don't mean. Uh, Cor- uh, it's a boring law name. Okay. You know, Corliss Barfield Trial Group. Sounds very legal. It does. But but here's how a lot of people find me. The kinds of cases I handle involve giant sinkholes that take out big buildings.
0: Oh, no sure. Popular thing that happens in it Florida. It happens
1: all the time. <laughs> it happens all the time. I mean, I just met with a family that had a thirty-six foot wide, forty-foot hole in their front yard that had eaten their Azuzu trooper. Wow. And it was underneath the building. And the insurance company argued that it really wasn't affecting the house. And so I spent i I've spent so much time. I tried my very first sinkhole case about fifteen years ago, and there's enough online if you type Ted Sinkhole, see what happens. Oh nickname. Oh Ted
0: Sinkhole, <sighs> is that what they call you around the courthouse? Oh well,
1: sinkhole Ted. Th- I do a radio show in Tampa sometimes and they call me Teddy Sinkhole. Teddy that Sinkhole. Came out of, yeah. <laughs> so if you type Teddy Sinkhole, you'll find me. And you'll hopefully find news munchies. So, yeah. So Ted, you, you didn't just
0: coming to cannabis recently. You, you've been interested in your cannabis your whole life.
1: I have. How, how'd
0: yeah. you get started with it?
1: You know, I had a an older brother who was a cannabis consumer and uh much to the chagrin of my parents. Thank gosh for those older brothers. Oh, yes, that's right. Although he, uh, when I started smoking, he would usually go and pinch my bag all the time. You uh, yeah, know, can yeah. I say pinch my God, bag? Goddamn older brothers. Yeah. But can I say pinch my bag on this radio uh, show? Pinch, yeah, you can. You okay. can. Right. You can. Is bag the appropriate term? Sack, maybe sack. Pinch, my oh, sack. pinch my sack. <laughs> okay. Pinch my sack. Right, he right. would pinch my sack all the time, and I'd say, "Hey," and because the the reality was, what was I going to do? Run to mom and go, "Hey, you know, my brother's pinching my bag, pinching my sack." Um, <laughs> all right, so this is going on, and I, I was a younger kid, but my brother got caught pinching your sack. He got pinched. Well, this was before I had a sack to pinch. Oh, this, he was right. pinching his own, oh, okay. and my father found his weed. Okay. Well, at that moment, I had this moment of clarity about the significance of cannabis because I literally thought that my father, like the back of his head, was going to blow off. And I mean, my family liked to party, liked to drink. I'm from a big Italian family. We had these massive parties that would last three days. I could drink. My parents let me drink freely from about sixth grade on, and they didn't care. But man, if you got anywhere near marijuana, it was a disaster. Well- kind of jump five years later, my father still very punished my brother profusely, just absolutely abused him over this. <laughs> so one day again, I'm Italian. So we went to a wedding because that's all Italian people do is go to weddings on the weekends. And so I go to my father's car one day to find, I don't know what the hell I was looking for. Well, what did I find under my father's seat? But I found his bag. <laughs> And, and so did you pinch his sack? I did later. I, I I would do that. I remember one time I would find my father's paraphernalia, like he'd have a pipe, and then I would steal it knowing that he would blame my brother. See, so oh, I would get back to him on triangle. that. Perfect triangle. Perfect. Right. That came right back around. And the funniest thing was I remember one time <laughs> I pulled a pipe out in front of my brother because we finally we came to you know grips about it. And he looks at me and he goes, where the hell did you get that? And I go, I stole it from dad. And he goes, that's mine. And <laughs> that's kind of the way it went. So now fast forward, I'm 22 years old. I'm in college at the university of Missouri in Columbia and you're not I, stealing sacks anymore no, or pinching sacks anymore. I'm paying for my sacks yeah. now. And somehow I ended up moderating a debate when I was 22 between the president of Missouri's normal chapter that was located in Columbia And two DEA agents. And you may remember from the 80s, Phil Donahue. Yeah, sure. So I got to play Phil Donahue and about a thousand people showed up for this thing. And I absolutely loved it. So I've been (laughs) I've I've just been fascinated not only from how much i love to consume it. But also the political, scientific, and cultural issues associated with so
0: it. So what year was this? You say in late late eighties, nineties? Uh this would have been in nineteen eighty eight. Nineteen eighty-eight. So uh, people didn't weren't talking about cannabis like no, that then. Not it at was all. a height of just say no, height of the drug war, really height yeah, of the drug war. It
1: was. And there was and, and trust me, there there was a drug war going on in urban centers. Mm-hmm. You know, all the cocaine that the CIA was selling into la or yeah it uh, really just started taking momentum
0: throughout the country then right
1: i write a lot about how incredibly jacked up the laws associated with all of those drugs were over years and and how you can trace so much of the negative social consequences of drug policy back to the people who wrote the laws I mean, they created the opioid epidemic. I yeah. mean, and in a lot of ways, they created the crack epidemic the, stri- in the Three
0: strikes, you're out. The judging uh, crack, like it was 10 times the weight of cocaine. Right. You know, uh, uh, always putting uh, uh, people of color, they would get charged with crack. Pe- you know, white people would get charged with cocaine. Right. You know, just a... a con- you know it was a really dark time
1: it really I, was and whenever i whenever i talk to people or if i do a show or something people will call it and ask you know what's the best way that i can avoid being arrested with marijuana my answer is simple be white you you've got uh, four times more likely to it, be arrested if you're a person of color and even though white people consume cannabis almost four times as much as people of color do absolutely and so that's again that's something that you know, I always felt over these last several years that I would been given an opportunity to, you know, be in an ultra conservative world as a lawyer representing large companies. And I think I have a, a kind of an obligation if I can to satisfy eliminating the stigma associated with marijuana. And I see it there not only in terms of the medical values, that's, that's one thing, but for me, it's all about the civil liberties of it, meaning that I believe in limited government. I believe in individual choice. I believe I'm putting myself in a situation where if I can sit down with lawmakers and I can talk to them and pitch them, I think I, I, I've got an opportunity to move the dial.
0: Talking about it is the first step. That's for sure. bring it out openly is the first step. Uh, that's one of the things that we do here on this podcast as we talk about all things cannabis and, and really in depth and at such a high level. Most people don't get to hear. Right. You're in Florida, though. Florida is still considered one of those rough, conservative states. Like, is it normalizing? Are you still getting the backlash there? Is there people still fighting cannabis there?
1: The lawmakers have been overtly hostile to it. If you look at the original bill that was passed, 1357, it banned smoking, vaping, and eating cannabis right and only had several a handful of uh, conditions that you could get it for it really was and 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 the conditions were even narrow Mm -hmm. example cancer was listed but careful because you don't get it to treat cancer most people get it to treat the effects of chemotherapy well if that's what you're doing that's not listed the consuming of the product has to attempt to resolve the underlying disease just more smoke and mirrors. Absolutely. Right. There's a couple, an, uh, an older lady who has had ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease now for, I think, just short of 20 years. And she speaks regularly all over Florida. And every time she appears, I think she is really giving them that that side of it, you know, and eliminating a lot of the stigma. But conversely, I was invited to a consortium from the universe, uh, USF, University of South Florida, they had the, the dean of, the, this, this is where I really started noticing that people are really starting to step back from the stigma. The dean of the Arts and Science College moderated this kind of consortium of people. There was 30 of us there, 27 doctors from the USF School of Medicine, and three lawyers. The first person to speak in the first four or five minutes referred to cannabis as dope. And after he said it a couple of times, I raised my hand. I said, you need to take personal responsibility for the stigma you're associating with it by speaking of it in a pejorative. So since we're here with doctors and scientists and lawyers, let's call it what it is. Let's call it cannabis or even marijuana and see how that goes. And this was an older lawyer, and I don't think he liked that. You know, I'm not a young lawyer, but I'm a little bit younger than he was. He has more grandchildren than I do is what I'd probably say. I don't have any. (laughs) Um, He came up to me afterwards and shook my hand and said, you know what? You got me. All right. So it was okay. Yeah, I, I stick my head in there a little bit, see what I can do. Now, you know, that word right there, I have, I have
0: helped people understand the political situation with cannabis with that exact conversation of, Hey, it's not marijuana. It's not dope. It's cannabis. Well, why don't you call it marijuana? And then you right. get to have these conversations of, well, you know, marijuana was developed as a racist term. And if we continue using that, we're going to just have these racist, you know, stigmatisms of what people think cannabis is, right. you know, right. and, and that conversation right there is the best conversation to have with people, right? you know, to explain to them that it's a plant. Cause they, this is the time when people get to understand what it is. If they don't know, cannabis at all people think it's a drug like heroin or pills
1: right, right. and then you get schedule to schedule one
0: you get to tell right. them that, no no it's a flower it's a plant it's a, right. a genius cannabis you know and uh, it's just this great icebreaker conversation you get to right. have
1: but you know what the the thing that is so bizarre about Floridian lawmakers <laughs> I is, love that term Floridians so, Floridian yes is There is only one political party in the entire state of Florida. I mean, the Republicans control both houses of the legislature and the governor's office and have for some time. They get into the details where they will have conversations on a real technical level, but all the information they're getting, they're getting from moneyed interests that have every motivation to keep cannabis under wraps most of that being the alcohol industry in the state of Florida. I mean, we're this we're the state, we want you to come down to Disney and buy $16 margaritas. That's what we want you to do. When you're not doing that, the guy who owns the building who's getting 3% of the $16 margarita isn't real happy about that. And so you see a lot of people trying to wrap themselves in the flag or wrap themselves in some purported moral authority over you to consume cannabis. And I think that is starting to recede. I, I think people understand, even if they don't want to consume it, they don't think people should go to jail for consuming a plant. Right. Do you think that the image of who
0: consumes cannabis is changing to, to the Floridians? Is this not just so much
1: the dirty hippies anymore? Do they still have that viewpoint? A lot of people come to me as someone who's in a public space pretty regularly, and they ask me, are you at all concerned? that people are going to stigmatize you because you consume cannabis does that affect your business at all. And it hasn't, I, I think it's actually enamored me to other people, you know, that have come up to me and said, yeah, you know, I'm i I'm a regular consumer or whatever. And, or I, am it would hurt you know, my business because I, if I said I wasn't consuming cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You have to, yeah. yeah. Mandatory. You can, uh, although I have, I, uh, I'm not for those members of the national security administration who may be listening to this podcast, I have uh, all of the receipts. Anytime I ever purchase yeah. cannabis in Denver, I always take my receipts back and submit them because I write about it in the blog. So I argue that, uh, hey, I get a tax break. So I get to write my weed off.
0: No, but, I'd, I'd agree with you. And, and by you, the way,
1: I don't even like the word weed. I don't wear that. I don't, that's a word. It's a bad word. I don't use yeah. that word. It's not a weed. A weed yeah. Weeds grow wildly. They they don't. <laughs> it and I, that's a is order. a
0: highly cultivated herb.
1: That's yes. for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I, pref- I do prefer like a the Rasta tradition of herb and ganja. I like those terms. Yeah. Uh, uh, cannabis is a mouthful. You got to take it however you can get it, I suppose.
1: I have a nine-year-old. And so my nine-year-old calls it cannabis. <laughs> and, and and of course, her only association with it is she knows that daddy uh, writes about it. And daddy's on of a cannabis. It. But as a lawyer, I have no interest in... I get phone calls from people who want me to represent them in cannabis issues on a legal sense, but I don't really want to do that. That's not really where my heart is. It's an administrative law question. I mean, how exciting could that be? I think my time is better spent out meeting with people. I just gave a lecture to 35 judges, and it was a little awkward to be talking about illegal drug use in front of judges that I'm in front of as a lawyer. That, w- that was. A, I will say <laughs> this, for an hour and a half... Nobody said a word. (laughs) And then at the very end, and there were a few questions, a guy stood up and started talking about Marinol because his husband had died from AIDS-related problems, and he talked about how much cannabis had really given comfort to him, but that when they attempted to use Marinol, it was just a miserable, horrible experience. And that's what I hear from most people. They say it's, it's, it's like over medicating with edibles. Absolutely. That's what it feels like. It's exactly what it is.
0: Yeah. Even though we hear in the news that Florida is, is legalizing medical cannabis, there's, there's still a fight there. There's, there's still the, the forces of evil trying to keep the good cannabis out of the people who need it.
1: And I really don't see in terms of predicting the next 36 months or so in Florida, I don't think you're going to see a lot of big movement. I think they could screw around with a new bill for better. Obviously, nothing's going to happen this year. And the last bill that was passed, (laughs) if you looked at the bill, they got over 20 different bills submitted for legalization following the passage of Amendment 2, the constitutional amendment to legalize medical marijuana. And the bill they ended up, passing was written by a guy who went to a Christian law school in Northeast Georgia. I don't remember the name of it. And it was out of Lee County, which is again, one of the most conservative counties in all of the state of Florida. And, and that's what's so crazy about it is the idea that there's so many of us that are out talking about cannabis. There's one particular lawyer who is very, very wealthy. He's the started out kind of as the skeezy slip and fall lawyer but his name's John Morgan and he's kind of become the firebrand for legalization. It's too bad that it's associated with John. John's a good guy, I'm not saying he's not, but he has all the stigma associated with being a mm. plaintiff's lawyer which is a separate issue you have to deal with as a, you know, they have a certain opinion of people to do that kind of work. So today in Florida, you you there's
0: there's limited dispensaries and limited grows. Can you can you give us the like framework? Sure.
1: The we're essentially a concentrate only state. That's the easiest way to say it because that's the only way it can be consumed. When they originally passed the requirements for who could submit an application, they built in a lot of things to discourage people from doing it if I want to start a dispensary in the state, I have to submit an application with a $15,000 application fee. And it could take two years before they would even really in earnest examine the application. And they they were doing a lot of things that I heard they were doing in Massachusetts where they'll require you before you can get licensed, you have to build your location, Mm -hmm. you have to have it ready up and running but that doesn't mean you're going to start selling anytime soon so you're paying all your overhead and so what it's done is it's given people like governor Rick Scott an opportunity to get a lot of his political cronies into the industry huh. they passed a law that said you can't grow it unless you've been in the agriculture business for no less than 30 years and we found out that one of the consu- one of the uh winners of uh, of getting a permit had been in the business for 31 years, and he had been a major contributor to Rick Scott's gubernatorial campaign. That just epitomized the good old boy
0: legal system that that the South is so famous for. Oh yeah, right there.
1: Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. I, I'm originally from Missouri, and now Missouri's got its own political problems. Obviously, the governor of Missouri just uh, resigned. Uh, but in the state of Florida, the cronyism is overwhelming. And you've got some really nice people who are running for those, those positions in the the legislature with virtually no background in anything. I recently met a gentleman who's running for Florida house, whose uh, work history involves three years at McDonald's (laughs) and he's being supported by the Republican party. Uh, Or you have um, again, Richard Corcoran who is timed out in Florida, who's the speaker of the house and the gentleman who is picking up his seat happens to be his pastor. And you have Richard Corcoran, and the hour I got to spend with him, mentioned to me on three occasions his uh, meetings with the Koch brothers. And so we see a lot of the Koch brothers in the laws in the state of Florida. There's still to this day just
0: a handful of producers.
1: That's right. Even getting a card is very difficult because of the limited nature of it. There are dispensaries, though. There are. Uh, In the Tampa Bay area, I think there are half a dozen. Right. Half a dozen dispensaries. Right. You have to talk your uh,
0: physician into giving you a a recommendation for cannabis.
1: If your physician got permission and went to the course and and took the...
0: So your physician has to have a course to certify him that he's... Wow. Which, in fact,
1: (laughs) again, a good example of the lawmakers are making those decisions because they're the ones that came up with what are the requirements for a doctor to be able to do this. Now, my doctor happens to be, he went through the process and I have a medical card, but again, you got to be real careful and I'm not going to say too much more about that. If the doctor writes a script for you and there isn't a good basis for him to give that Mm -hmm. to you or her to give that to you, that's a misdemeanor. Wow. Wow. So this totally blows
0: me away because all the pain clinics in Florida, Right. Oh like how can this exist? You know, that like oh, you can God. bus loads of people come down to Florida every day and walk into a pain clinic yeah. where a doctor there prescribes them, whatever oxy, whatever, and they get back on the bus and they go back to Virginia and Georgia yeah. and Tennessee and Alabama and New York and uh, sell drugs and do, and do heavy opiates. But
1: you can't, yeah. you, the, 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 but it you can't So I was curious, if you can't smoke it, eat it, or vape it, the only thing we could come up with were suppositories. Mm-hmm. Or I know I now love that, my Ganja suppositories. <laughs> right. right. Uh, and, and then whole I, leaf. I, whole leaf. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just uh, yeah, I mean the opioid problem in Florida is something that when I was representing big insurance companies for for ten years I had a pretty big crew of people working for me, so we would get a lot of unusual problems coming in. And we regularly had people coming in who had family members who had overdosed on opioids, and they wanted to know what they could do about it. But there really isn't anything you can do. You can't sue the pain management clinic. It, it, there's really no, nothing. Right. There's nothing there. Right.
0: Because in Florida, part of their thing is that you don't have to have insurance for, to operate in Florida as a doctor. Right. So or if you, or most the of them, malpractice insurance.
1: Right. The malpractice insurance most of them buy, if they buy it at all, is for $250,000. Right. Which, you know, if you get a lawyer involved, $250,000 is going to eat 40% of it, the cost and everything else. But a bigger problem is the way they wrote the wrongful death statute. Let me give you an illustration. A family came to me. Their daughter had overdosed on a litany of drugs. Uh, We found out she was taking 17 different prescriptions every single day, some of them multiple. Mm. And the pain management clinic was giving her a thousand oxys a month, and she got about an equal number of benzos. And she was taking methadone, which you're not supposed to take methadone with any benzo because it turns you into a, a zombie. And when she overdosed, she, she'd gotten addicted to opioids because of an auto accident uh, where yeah. she injured her neck. When she came in, the only thing we told the mother that she could recover on behalf of her daughter was the $1,200 she paid to have her cremated. Those were the only damages that she could get. She couldn't get any non-economic damages. Mm-hmm. And if her, for motivation was to punish this doctor, that wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And they just walked away. But- In 2012, at the height of the pain management clinic problem, there were more than 1,500 overdoses on opioids in the state of Florida. Now, one of the reasons that was happening is because the pain management clinics would allow a doctor to write you a 12-month script. And people would go to a pharmacy next door to the pain management clinic, and they would get all 1,000 hits of opioids. Well, then they would go back to the pain management clinic. They would give half of the drugs back to the clinic. And then the clinic would sell them out the back. So you got your drugs for free because you gave the 500 back and then they would sell them illegally out the back door.
0: Mm. It's just really disgusting. Florida is one of the biggest problems with our uh, opioid epidemic. The government in Florida and the businesses in Florida, they they need need to recognize what's going on. That's for sure. They are causing a huge problem.
1: Well, I've personally lost three first-degree relatives from opioid overdoses. Yeah, and uh, just two weeks ago, one of my fraternity brothers overdosed on oxies. And it's just amazing because everybody in Florida, because it's such a problem, has that connection to it. You're, you're one or two degrees of separation away from people who are having a problem with opioids. That's why I see that the opioid issue is so intertwined with the cannabis it issue. Is. Yeah, it, it really is. And fights it. Well, man, that's some depressing shit. Let's no, move, let's, let's move on Canada. and talk
0: about something else. Hey, sure. you know uh, what's exciting? Let's talk about something exciting in Canada. I'm excited man. about.
1: I'm excited about Canada. Canada. Me I too. Am going to Montreal. Yeah. And then, Listen, I mean, it's, it's, it's today,
0: so, it's to, yesterday they legalized cannabis, yes. June
1: 19th. Right. Juneteenth. June, yeah. Juneteenth. And literally they freed the slaves. They freed the it. slaves. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm free. I'm right. free. That's exciting. I, I, you got to find the
0: good. You got to. You got to. So in Canada, they federally legalized cannabis throughout the whole country.
1: What What's that going to mean? I think that may ultimately be the tipping point for a liberalization of the laws in our country. I I, I agree. I hope so. I agree. Uh, Because I I just, right now, we're planning a trip to Uruguay. Uruguay. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. Yeah, they've got some interesting stuff going on down there, too. So let me tell you my Obama story. So I have... Obama Kush? No, do you have some? Yeah, Yeah, we'll talk later. I mean, you can't cross everything with OG Kush, man. I mean... (laughs) I try and explain that to people. I'm like, my God, not everything Kush. <laughs> yeah, but hey, yeah. I love my I love my OG Kush. But so I, I ran into this guy at this meeting who was an undersecretary. He had just left the White House uh, when Obama was there. And he had uh, spent time with Obama as an undersecretary of state in South America. And he was at a meeting when right after Uruguay was talking about legalizing it. The significance of Canada is that they're the first G eight country, you know, the the big countries to legalize it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but Par- or, uh, Uruguay was technically the very first country to do so. But he told me that they were at a meeting, and Obama kind of leaned into him and said, "See me later about this marijuana thing." So, <laughs> Wait a second. That guess, sounds guess, like uh, yeah. something. Yeah. So he said <laughs> that. Can't meet me behind hey, there, the. You got any of that South American uh, Kush? Yeah, I got some Hawaiian. So, (laughs) but he he looked at him later, and he goes, he goes, he said Obama just kind of leaned into him later, and he goes, shit, he goes. United States got the best weed, man. I'm not smoking any of that Paraguay and (laughs) Uruguay marijuana. Um, And I I love the fact that Obama made the comment, you know, did I inhale? Well, hell yeah, that was the point. point. (laughs) That was (laughs) was was the the point. point. I'm long on the Canadians, man. I think it's going to be a really positive thing.
0: I'm sure you're familiar with the B.C. bud that flooded the U.S. in the the late 80s, early 90s. B.C. bud was prevalent pre-2001. Really, you know, uh, as soon as nine eleven happened, all the import restrictions started, and yeah. you know, cannabis did not flow freely from the north any longer.
1: Have you ever heard of something called the Silk Road? The Silk Road, yes. Well, you I know. Uh, I spent uh, my allowance uh, several times over <laughs> on the Silk Road, and I bought when Silk Road was up and running. I bought Bitcoins for about $6, and the way you would have to go about getting the money in the hands of Silk Road and then making your purchases, I don't know if you participated in that, but we certainly did. No, not at all. Not at all, no. We were getting plants from, got a lot of plants out of Canada, and we got a lot of plants out of Amsterdam, a lot. Although, I've been to Amsterdam, and I will take the Pepsi challenge on that Amsterdam shit and tell you Amsterdam mm. cannabis sucks. I mean, horrible. The, the hash is half cumin. So when you smoke <laughs> it, you're like, is somebody cooking chili in there? What yeah. are you doing? It's horrible. You
0: know, I was just in Amsterdam and uh, I, I spent a ton of time collectively, probably years there between 99 and 2010. And we would always bring our own wheat. Right. And people it's like taking
1: sand to the beach. Yeah, yeah.
0: People would laugh at me and then they'd hit it one time and tell me it was too strong. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, when I was back this past time though, and I got good direction, I got some decent connections. Here, right. You can imagine that, that over the time I've cultivated some of the, the better cannabis producers in the world as my friends. And, uh, wow, man. Just the random ganja shop has pretty had pretty decent weed this Good, time. I'm glad to hear that. It is. It's Good. getting better. Uh, I was there
1: about three years ago, so that that's been a while. Yeah,
0: you, you know, there, there's places that have all the U.S. strains. There's U.S. growers there now, and that's been building for 15 years. But you know the interesting thing is they actually had import California cannabis. Huh, that's funny. And yeah, it was 35 dollars 35 euro. 35? Thirty-five wow. euro a gram. A gram. A gram. Oh, euro a gram. I almost bought some, but I am a little too cheap. So, <laughs> oh wow! You,
1: you got to look at the tax opportunities, though. You gotta. Yeah. You gotta write that stuff off.
0: Amsterdam's been able to do something really interesting that I, uh, that the the U.S. is going to have problems with, and Canada's having problems with right now is keeping the end price high and keeping the economy high. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I think it needs to be like obtainable when people want to go and buy a sack of weed, but we got to have a good economy of it all. Right. 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 So still to this day, you, you can pay 35 euro a gram, 17 euro a gram, 12 euro a gram. Right. For high end cannabis over there. And people here in Colorado are fighting for the bottom of the barrel at three and four and five dollars. Wow. Well, and you know, un, uh, uh, unfortunately I don't think that low priced cannabis is gonna promote high quality product. I agree. Right. Well,
1: right, because the so much of the cost is post cultivation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Harvest curing, packaging. Right.
0: Right. That that that's that's all what makes good cannabis great is that right there. But I was pleased to find that uh we, we got some great weed there. You know, Amsterdam's, they've always pioneered and the Netherlands have always pioneered those long season strains because they get paid more. If it's a 20 week strain, they get paid more for it. Where in the U.S., it doesn't matter if it's six weeks or 10 weeks or 12 weeks or 15 weeks. It's all this like kind of random gauge of, you know, supply and demand economics. Right. 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 I do see some beautiful things that have happened in Amsterdam good, is, is good. this push for higher quality product and higher end
1: product. I think people will, if, if it's higher end, people will pay for it. Yeah. I, I I don't, I'll tell you that because I can't get quality product legally in the state of Florida. When I come to Denver, I'm not looking for bargains. Yeah, I mean, right. I'm there's looking plenty of bargains here too. There, right, are, there right. really are. And there's some, uh, I noticed a couple of the bigger dispensaries are, they're offering some lower you know some more affordable stuff and i think that's right. terrific that's right. great but i want to see those it, it, i usually walk in dispensaries and ask the same question i look at the bud tender and go what do you smoke mm-hmm. and they'll that's always go they, they never blink they don't and they don't go well i don't know they just immediately oh yeah right over here hold on a second let me get it here. Oh. yeah right right yeah, okay um, got it right well, here right. what are you doing right there <laughs> although whoa, where oh where the hell was i, I was in vegas mm-hmm and they were selling a plant there. It, they called it Nightmare Cookies for eight hundred bucks an ounce. Wow. Okay. So I thought, Good you know what? Them. I'm gonna g- give me a quarter of that. I'm I'm gonna try that. It was okay. It was it worth eight hundred bucks? No. <laughs> no. Um, but but uh, you know, listen. I I want to support that because uh, you know I I'm like if I if I go in a restaurant. And there's, there's nothing I really want to eat on the dessert menu. I'm not going to just order anything. I'm gonna, I'm going to, I'm not, you get older, you got to worry about those calories. But when it comes to cannabis, I want to, I want the quality stuff.
0: Well, there you go. If you're a cannabis dealer out there, get in contact with Ted. He uh, right. prefers the $12,000 pounds. Listen, if, if,
1: if, again, if you saw my <laughs> order, if you could go back through my Silk Road order history, it was pretty funny. Yeah. And I loved how the stuff would arrive because everybody had this creative way that they would deliver it in the mail that you wouldn't know what was in it. My favorite was a guy. I ordered some, uh, well, here I am. I'm going right in here. some opium, some raw opium from this guy in India. The way he delivered it was he sent me a framed picture and that was just a framed picture. And there was just a picture with frame and, And no instructions. So I thought, all right, we'll see what we got. So I started, I pulled the picture back and he had ironed out this two grams of raw opium and wrapped it in cellophane and then put it underneath the picture in between the frame. So that was, that was fun stuff. But obviously we know now that uh, Dred Scott Roberts has got, he got like 2000 years. I don't know, man. He got sunk for that one. That's for sure. Yeah. So, uh, man, let's talk, let's talk about the future. Let's talk about what's going on. You, You know, My thing about the future is I'm not quite so positive as a lot of people are. I don't believe in the tipping point. You know, we've got a certain number of states that are recreational. We have a certain number that are uh, medical. I'm not one that believes that the lawmakers are necessarily going to wise up to the economic benefits. And it's more about the fact that there are so many economic benefits of keeping it down because they already know, you know, you got big alcohol, you got big pharma You've got a lot of other interests associated with keeping it illegal and keeping it criminal. Yeah, absolutely. And those people are still in power. Example: one lawmaker I met who was actively fighting against cannabis in any form also happened to his biggest contributor was the guy who owned one of the largest alcohol distribution networks in the panhandle. Mm-hmm. And there's alcohol knows that it loses. When it goes head to head against cannabis, it's going to give up a substantial piece of it. And, you know, we talk about by 2030, we're hoping that cannabis sales are $30 billion. I, I think we'll hit those numbers. But last year we sold $220 billion worth of beer, wine and spirits. So they've got a lot of money to spend, mm-hmm. and they a lot of ways to trip it up. Yeah, they're rooted too, right? But but you know where the positive part is is that I think as the stigma goes down, you're going to see more civil disobedience. You're going to just see people like me standing outside the mayor's office in St. Pete smoking a joint deliberately, and it's it's just although what is the deal? I, I know at Red Rocks you can smoke. But I'm. I think it's hilarious that they have right. You know, they've got the big yeah, monitor up, say, okay, right. and the monitor. The consumption of marijuana is not being done in the public, and you're sitting right. there. You know, okay. Yeah, uh,
0: text five 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 five. If your neighbor is bothering you with his marijuana smoking, that's right. right. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. now they push you out to the sides, okay. so you can't. So in the smoking area. They push you over to the sides. But they'll allow you to consume... Yeah. yeah, Okay. And, and, uh, you know, I've I've, uh, attended Red Rocks before and been handed a card because, you know, it's loud. So they hand you a card that says... Cannabis smoking is not permitted here. And if we catch you again, we'll eject you. Please go to the smoking
1: area. <laughs> okay. Okay. We went to Dirty Heads last year at Red Rocks and just had a fantastic time. My wife and I did. and
0: Oh, great venue, man. Could, oh, couldn't beat best. that venue. Right? Absolutely the best. Right. Denver is, is the number one music city right now. There's so much great music here. Yeah. There are so many great music venues, but look, Red Rocks, if you haven't been to Red Rocks, And go see anybody, anybody. anybody. anybody, Poetry reading. I I, I used to joke. I used to joke you know oh you can go see Dolly Parton it'll be the best show you've ever seen I saw Dolly Parton last year and goddamn, it was the best show I think I've ever (laughs) seen in Red Rocks she was awesome I'm not like a Dolly fan but like you know my wife and all of her family from Tennessee are so that pretty much makes me a Dolly fan too and uh, uh, it was great it was a great 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 show Red Rocks an awesome spot and uh, yeah we smoked in the smoking section on the side good for you well I
1: mentioned that Because you go to a concert in the state of Florida, you, if you now, uh, I, I just stopped. Mm -hmm. If you try and smoke in the venue, what we usually do is we just, we roll these half joints Mm -hmm. and you just go in the, the stall, shut the door, smoke, finish it, throw it in. Walk, and so they're. Oh, what's that smell over there? I can't figure that out. But if you try and smoke in the venue, there is nowhere in Tampa where they will not come over to you and kick you out. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's that's it's, a you know, you know
0: unfortunately that is a that is a problem with the future and the current place we, we live do, in yeah, is, is, is rock and roll. Right. Used to be where you would go to the show and you could smoke a joint publicly. That was the public. Right. Weed smoking spot. Yeah. Right. And, and they tolerated it as soon as the lights went down, right, everybody right. fired. up, Right. right? But now right. with the anti smoking, yeah. you know, laws that they have uh, a cannabis smoke is criminalized under those laws. Unfortunately.
1: Right. 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 And and that's, a well, that's, that's a
0: really sad thing, man. You well, know,
1: you talk about the future. I think Denver is going to lead the future on having public access and I mean, it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's either going to be here or it's going to be Vegas. Yeah. Because it's Vegas happening here.
0: It's happening in California and it's happening in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm really surprised at how there's much, so much talk about it in California. The way that the people talk about it is like, Oh, well you need some place to smoke. And it's so logical to think about it that way. Oh, well, right. well you can't smoke right. out on the streets. Well, you can't right. smoke in your rental car. You can't smoke in your rental car. You right. can't smoke in your hotel room. You need right. some place to smoke. Right. right. In, in Las Vegas, of course, they're going to allow that. You know, they're
1: the entertainment capital of the world. But I was at the Wynn about mm-hmm. six months ago. Yeah. And I what I do when I'm traveling is I'll go outside. And I'll find the designated smoking area for mm-hmm. tobacco. Mm-hmm. Well, I did that at the win, and they came for me. <laughs> they are like they were over there, man. I mean, it was. I hadn't even. I was like, "Hey, you. Yes, hey, oh, you. oh My name. What? <sighs> you want my name? Why, uh, dude? What are you doing? I'm just here in the smoking area enjoying. Yeah, this is medical cannabis smoking here, right? Yeah. I have a card. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I. Oh, in terms of the future too, I. I something I'd like to see would be more reciprocity uh with if i have a medical card in florida absolutely want to be able to walk in and not necessarily get taxed as as much or i want to be able to get access to products that i may not otherwise be able to i'd like to see that but um, as someone coming from florida i think we're going to keep fighting i think that uh we see a lot of turnover um with you know like i'm i'm very hopeful about an attorney general candidate who's the Democratic candidate, Sean Shaw. I'm very excited about Sean being attorney general. Smart guy, and I think he'd bring some sense to that topic because right now what we have is uh, Pam Bondi who is a, a, a Trump stooge. Uh, Pam. Yeah, people named Pam. You know, <laughs> you're named after a cooking spray, for God's sake. Right, No. hey,
0: no offense, Pam. Uh, my good friend Pam, we love you. Everybody, <laughs> else, everybody else but All you. All the other Pams. All the other Pams but you. Yeah, Uh, yeah, you know, people believe that cannabis is legal throughout the country now. People believe that medical cannabis is something that's freely, uh, readily available in so many states, uh, and it's just not. There's this farce that's going on, um, and really, I think it's really detrimental in places like Georgia and Florida where they pass these Jesus type laws where the legislator says, Oh, well we pass medical cannabis just like right. you were saying it, earlier. It sucks.
1: And it, what happens right? is it sucks all the wind out of it. It, it does. Takes the wind out of the sails because they're like, well, we already we did that. that Wait a second. You, you know, it's like,
0: right. no, you didn't actually your, your legislation, just the governor just passed a law, pushed a law that had medical cannabis in it, in the framing, but it didn't right. do anything for anybody. It didn't allow more access. It didn't decrease more people to go into jail. Right. It didn't stop law enforcement. uh, And, well,
1: and look at, and on that issue about law enforcement, we have the strangest situation in Tampa because you have the city has decriminalized, Mm -hmm. but the county did not. Okay. If you get pulled over by a city cop and you have cannabis, it's a $75 fine. Okay. And it's a civil fine. So if you get pulled over 10 times, it's 75 75 75 just keeps going. Perfect place. So it doesn't accelerate. But if the if a sheriff pulls you over, sheriff's deputy pulls you over for any reason and you have it, it's $300 and the second time it gets worse. And you go right back into the criminalization issue. And so we're hopeful that again, those are the kinds of things I think that we're going everybody's going to continue to build on because they just you cannot put people in jail for smoking a plant you, you can't do it and if you spend any time in a floridian uh, jail you really really don't want to be in there
0: forever. yeah it's not a good not, not that i've ever it's spent any time but i can just yeah. imagine in hot humid uh, george in oh, hot humid God. florida it's not comfortable yeah at, at all
1: yeah i've been I've, I've had to visit a few folks in jail um and it's not a pleasant place to be a lot of violence and uh going in for something as silly as that Although the biggest problem we really have in Florida is they continue to use a lot of the marijuana convictions as aggravating issues to make your next crime even worse. Absolutely, Escalate. Yeah, that, that's right. That day. Oh, wait a minute. He, he was doing that, but didn't he have another charge? Now all of a sudden you're, you're got a client who's got to plead out right. and they're going to spend some time in jail. Absolutely. I don't do that kind of stuff. Cause I just can't, I can't do it. Yeah. No, it's a
0: hard, hard place that's to hard. be. And yeah, you know, I work between here in California often and in California, you still have this enforcement cops and robbers mentality. And here in Colorado, it's a compliance, not enforcement. Okay. Right. And so, you know, when the, when the regulatory authority, regu- regulatory authorities, come in in California, it's enforcement. They're enforcing this. They're enforcing it, forcing right, it, and right. it's it's clearly different here in Colorado. It's like, oh, we need to get you into compliance.
1: one of the when I first started traveling to Colorado to explore the cannabis, I was here the first 420 uh, cannab- cannabis cup mm-hmm. after recreational was right. legalized. yeah the high
0: times cup. I remember that one oh, was a great man. one.
1: Oh yeah, twenty five thousand people showed up to <laughs> this thing.
0: Cell phone service just dropped out.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and I remember it was four hours before to, get in. to get in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're standing there and I'm, I'm interviewing some people. I got a mic out. I'm talking to people. And all of a sudden, an Apache helicopter flies over us. Just, I mean, just cleared the trees. And I hear somebody say, oh, it's the police. I'm like, hey, genius! The police don't have Apache helicopters. <laughs> That's the Feds. <laughs> and uh, but you 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 have the perspective. You were there. You, yeah. you imagine. So we're there. I didn't even see two people shove each other. Four hours to get in, and there were people. They were throwing joints over the side, and they had these big burlap sacks, and they reach in and throw them. And I always tell doobie people, tossing. Mm. right. And I, one of the women was topless, so topless doobie tossing. I mean, it was a great way to spend an afternoon, <laughs> but you think <laughs> about agree. right if If there was a tequila festival and 25,000 people showed up, they would have been ripping people off of each other. Mm-hmm. There would have been violence. And that particular cannabis cup was five times bigger than the one the year before. I had no idea that many people were going to show up. Mm -hmm. But I didn't even see a cop other than the Apache helicopter. Right. You know, interesting thing about that cannabis cup is dabbing
0: was really starting to take hold right then. (laughs) Right. And I saw numerous people getting carted out and hitting the ground and taking dabs and falling out. Cause yeah. you could, at the time they were still allowing people to like serve people cannabis at this festival. Now they can't do that. Right. Okay. So I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh? Now yeah. they can, now you can't do it. Now okay. there's no, you know, uh, uh, dispensaries can't give away cannabis anymore here. Okay. So I asked one of the paramedics, I'm like, Hey man, what, what, what do you think about all this? You know? And he was like, "Oh, this is nothing, man. This is way better than a bunch of drunks. Sure, right? Sure. You know, it's like nobody's puking on me. Right. You know, I'm just picking some people up that fell down on the ground. Well, they probably <laughs> arrest
1: more people at a Broncos game oh, Or just yeah. being stupid drunk at that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But see, those things have to. They, those things have to expand. You know, I mean, they have to." People in Florida need to see that. Mm -hmm. They need to understand that this isn't going to turn people into, you know, a bunch of drunken idiots or that smoking cannabis does not lead you to opioids. They don't. We're going to be talking here in a couple of weeks to a doctor who's using cannabis to treat opioid addiction. Mm. And I'm I'm, because I'm such a huge proponent of that. I've seen it
0: successful several times. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. So
1: I'm, I'm excited about those kinds of things.
0: Yeah. You know, California uh, has said in their regulations where you can have events so you can host events and they'd be licensed events where people can openly consume cannabis and you can buy and sell cannabis. Got it. Right. And And that's all just coming into play there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they've just allowed the first one or two of these events to happen. So you know we're we're going to see some cool things happen with those type of events now because in the past it's just been bootleg and the Emerald Cup and the Chalice Cup those are two examples of of cannabis festivals where you could openly buy and sell cannabis in all of its forms. What was
1: that? I was at a cup in uh, Sonoma mm-hmm. and they would allow you if you could get into the medical part. This is this is the Emerald Cup. That, oh, yeah, that, okay. yeah, Emerald Club. Okay. yeah yeah the fairgrounds right yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 totally. yeah yeah so cool yeah totally and what th- you had to have a band which means you had to have a card yep well all i did was i we showed up about three o'clock and there was just a whole bunch of people just stoned out of their minds standing outside sitting down mm-hmm. on the curb or whatever exactly. so i just i pulled a hundred dollar bill out, and i walked up to this guy and i go you done with that wristband the guy looks at me and goes, hey, buddy, I smell bacon. And I realized yeah. I totally look like a narc. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this? Because I, I think I'd been, I had like a tie on, you know. Yeah, like, hey. right, right. And uh, so then the other guy's like, ah, I don't care. So he slides it off and gives it to me. And then I go in. <laughs> so what they were doing was you could make a donation mm-hmm. to the charity. You're right. And for every $10 that you donated, they give you a gram. <laughs> so I ended up going back. Oh, this this is a fun. You canvaster. were one of the biggest donators all I day was, long. I was very right. charitable. Yeah, very charitable. So I I leave with this shopping bag of plants. So we go back and we got a bunch of people at our hotel, and uh, so then we all a couple days later we all go home. So when I get home, there's a my there's a phone message on my voicemail at the office, and it's a sheriff's deputy, and I'm I say like, this is uh Mr. Corliss. This is a uh, Sergeant Schmedlap calling in i 'm calling you from the Sonoma county uh, sheriff's Office, and i'm thinking, "Oh God, what am I going to be banned to go back to California?" <laughs> no no, no. He wanted to make sure I knew that he received a phone call from the hotel and they said they found some medical marijuana in the room, and if I wanted to come down to the uh, the station and pick it up, they'd keep it there till Friday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but friday at about 4 <laughs> right. it's gonna be gone we gotta <laughs> like, get rid of it we gotta you burn know? it up
1: <laughs> we're gonna have to burn it and burn up the evidence and i <laughs> told my wife i said yeah we've we've passed into a new world the cops are calling me uh <laughs> trying to send me my get my plants back oh that's great yeah
0: Oh Ted, it's it's been a great conversation today. I really appreciate you joining me. I've uh, enjoyed it. I, uh, I'm I'm sure there's going to be uh, lots of stuff to talk about in the future. I'm going to use you as an an expert smoke witness anytime someone uh, wants to debunk the the science of smoking. Send them my uh, I am absolutely going to do that. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode of the Real Dirt, please download this and others at therealdirt.com or on iTunes, the Real Dirt Podcast.
1: Hey, and if our, our, our listeners want to to listen to News Munchies, how do, how do we get in touch with that, or how do we listen to that? My blog is uh, www.newsmunchies.com. We blog regularly. We also have a YouTube channel with videos that we've shot in our own studio in Tampa. All of it, cannabis-related, and then you'll also see some of the other stuff we do when we beat up those evil insurance companies.
0: Hey, thanks, Ted. I really appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, all, all you listeners out there, just... Uh, Fire another one up and uh, binge another episode of The Real Dirt. Stay high. Thank you for joining me here on The Real Dirt. It was a, a great conversation with Ted. I didn't really know we were going to get into the science of smoke and what made tobacco smoke different from cannabis smoke and, you know, really what was going on throughout Florida. Ted was a really interesting guy and I'm so fortunate that I get to talk to so many industry experts and leaders throughout the country and, and the world. I learn so much through these, these moments that I have with them. And, you know, I hope you get something out of it too. That's really why we're doing this. You know, I think we're at episode like 36 or something like that that we've released. We've recorded many, many more. We have many more to come. But I want you to understand that that I am doing this solely because I want to bring out the good information on cannabis, on hemp, on medical marijuana. I'm not advertising anything for sale. I'm not promoting anything. I try not to have guests on here that are solely just selling their product. As I listen to other episodes of other podcasts, I hear this. You know, this isn't an info commercial for you. And I hope I hope it never comes off that way. Uh, You know, we've had a few sponsors in the past and we'll have more sponsors in the future. But I really want to keep this independent form of thought where where our content isn't developed or motivated by by any sort of resource gain. I truly want this information out there. I truly want to get better at delivering it to you. And I'm really interested in how you perceive this. If you could make a comment, tell me how you enjoyed this episode. If you could make a comment, tell me the things you're interested in hearing about. I'd be glad to investigate it. And their chances are, if you're interested in some portion of cannabis history or cannabis growth technology or cannabis politics or cannabis business, I'm interested in it too. And so are other people. So reach out, comment on our Facebook page, comment on our Instagram page, comment on our website, comment on our blog. And uh, yeah, I'd really love, love, love to hear from you. So this has been The Real Dirt. Download this episode and others on The Real Dirt dot com or if you want to go to our iTunes accounts the real dirt podcast subscribe there please subscribe there we need all the subscribers we can get even if you just like to listen to the episodes you really would support us if you subscribe us through iTunes and uh, we get as many uh, subscribers through iTunes as possible thanks for enjoying this episode look out for this uh, other episodes coming up on uh, similar topics The Politics of Cannabis, you know, I'm a little fired up about it right now. So let's get into it. All right. Stay high.